DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. You're listening to the High Octane Leadership Podcast with Donald Thompson. The world is shifting around you. None of us were trained for this changing environment. You need high octane leadership in an empathetic world before your business is swallowed alive. This podcast focuses on actionable, hands-on tools you can use to become a high octane leader today and grow strong leaders throughout your organization to survive tomorrow. Join me along with global C-suite leaders, rising stars, ambitious entrepreneurs, and other leaders from across industries as we dissect, interrogate, and redefine high-octane leadership in an empathetic world. This podcast is your home for uncovering the tools, lessons, and strategies you need to push your leadership to the next level. This week on High Octane Leadership, we're going to talk about Don's experiences at Black Enterprises Black Men Excel Conference. And now this is one of the top conferences built by and for Black men in America. And personally, I was so excited to hear about Don's time at this conference. And I'll quote, this conference is designed to elevate and empower black men to be recognized for their value and talent. So this is going to be a fun episode. Don's going to share some things. We're certainly going to laugh and learn some things along the way. Uh, so Don, tell us about your experience. So one of the things, um, I don't take a lot of PTO time off. And when you're building a new company, especially a small emerging business, uh, one of the milestones as an executive is when you take that first full week off and you completely unplug. And that was the week in middle October when we got invited to this conference. And uh, you, you, I remember you coming in, it's like, hey, I, I got a great opportunity <laughs> for you. The date is a little challenging. I was like, all right, what's up? And you're like, I got a conference I want you to go to, but it's on your PTO. I was like, yeah, get out of my office. I'm finally going to PTO. He's like, we should discuss this. <laughs> and Black Enterprise uh, flew me to Maryland. They put me up in an amazing resort. They had car service, like literal limo, like SUV, Tahoes, like those 
black on black limos. It was really cool. And they they really made me me feel special. And the event that I went to, Black Man Excel, but the topic that I talked about was sponsorship uh, and mentorship for black men in corporate America and how organizations can think different, do it better, uh, and create that that rock star environment, right, for, for leaders, men of color in particular, this conference, uh, to rise and grow in the organization. But I will tell you, I was humbled and honored to be asked to share the stage at this event. I'm not going to hold it against you that you didn't get my boy Grant Hill's autograph, which I specifically requested. NBA Hall of Famer and DT lets me down in a big way, but that that's okay. What was it like to be, I mean, geez, I was just like, what was it like to be in the room? Like to be in the, like you, there were some players there and some men who had accomplished global significance. When I say humbling, that's still an understatement. So let me answer that question and give some detail. The night that I got there, I flew in uh, one evening. And so I just went to the bar. They were serving food. Sports was playing. And I sat next to an executive at American Airlines. And uh, we just exchanged numbers and, and, and talked to each other for a minute. And I said, what made you want to get into the airline industry? And he used to be in the cockpit pilot, and now he's in management, leadership, and different things. He said, well, when I was six years old, I was deathly afraid to fly. My mom took me on a plane, and we, we're, we're old, both older, Gen X, but he got to go into the cockpit. And he said, the pilots made me feel like anything I could dream I could do. They, they showed me some of the uh, different mechanics and different things that were working. They talked to me about how long we were going to be in the air and why it was going to be okay and how many flights they'd been on and th that they could trust me. And I wanted to be, this is I'm paraphrasing, I wanted to be someone that people could trust when they needed to travel somewhere important. And it planted a seed in a dream of him that he could be a pilot. And one of the things as young people that's so influential is you it's hard to dream what you've never seen. And so now to answer your question, being in this room, I was in a room of some of the most accomplished business people in the United States of America, and they looked like me. Exactly. These were executives from Dell. These were executives from American Airlines. These were executives from all, I could name drop and name drop, but all of the largest corporations in the, in the country were represented. And every time I shook someone's hand, they were an entrepreneur, they were doing XYZ, they were building a new technology. They were an executive VP of global initiatives for XYZ company. And I couldn't have been more proud. I couldn't have been more excited and honored to share the space with so many high octane leaders. Uh, in one place. And it was not the narrative sometimes that shows black men on TV. It was not the narrative that we can only be successful dribbling a basketball or throwing a football. It was the narrative that we can also be the best of in any arena that we want to play in. And in this arena, it was business. That's fantastic. Yeah, I live streamed some of the event knowing that you were there, just wanting to catch some of it because Black Enterprise is such a foundational company. I mean, this is one of the most important companies, not not only for what they've done as as a media empire, but for putting on these these kind of conferences. And I was a little leery about interrupting your PTO. I have to say, it's, <laughs> that is essentially my fault for messing up my CEOs. Yeah, uh, and, and here's what's even funnier. My wife and some family friends, we went to San Diego. So it wasn't just like we were 
I was flying 10 minutes. So I had to leave this conference, spend the day there for the portion I was participating, take a red eye to San Diego and then get off the plane. <sighs> I'm here, super fun. But it was more than worth it because when in my life has I had that kind of opportunity? And number two, man, they were more than gracious. They expected me to talk about underestimated my new book. They wanted to see how they could be supportive. I actually sat at lunch at the table with the editor-in-chief of Black Enterprise, Alfred Edmund Jr. Wow. Right? Got a picture with him and different things. I was like, a fa- like it, you know what I mean? Like I was sitting at the table with the editor-in-chief of Black Enterprise. And I introduced myself and he said, Don, I know who you are. Thank you for coming and spending time with us. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Do you know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm inter- Hey, I'm Don. And I'm so glad to be here. He's like, he's like, Don, I, I, I approved the list. Uh, and, and, and we're glad that you're here. And, and that meant so much to me to just be in that rarefied air. When we think about Grant Hill, you mentioned, but also when you think about the murder of George Floyd and you think about George Floyd's legal team, well, his, uh, his family's lawyer was one of the keynote speakers that was there. When you think about the sessions, they were all, and this is something I really liked about the conference, I was really appreciative of, they were all action-oriented, not theoretical-based. The question and answer sessions were raw and real, and we were really talking about issues that Black men are facing in corporate America and what to do about it, right? And what is the responsibility of organizations we're a part of, but what also is our personal responsibility? as leaders to grow, to overcome, to be better, to be the example. And so I not only like the conference, but I like the tone of the dialogue, right? Because it was, it just was very positive. Even though we were talking about some things in the world that are not amazing, it was through the lens of how do we overcome it? How do we be better? And how do we make that way uh, more powerful for those that come behind us? And I really liked that tone, that acknowledgement of some of the struggles, but weren't whining about it. We were trying to figure out how to push through it, overcome it, and and be better then. And that was really cool. Let's take a quick break. As a black professional, I faced many challenges inherent to contemporary America. I had to fight to secure my place and fulfill my dreams. Underestimated, a CEO's unlikely path to success is my story. Whether you are a young person of color, a rising leader in your organization, or someone who may feel a little bit lost, There is a path forward that is built on grit, determination, perseverance, and drive. I've dedicated my career to developing my leadership skills and then coaching others towards success. And underestimated, you can follow my unique path, uncovering business and life lessons that can help anyone realize their dreams. You can order underestimated wherever books are sold and find more information at donaldthompson.com. Now, back to the show. Yeah, one of the senses that I got from the conference and and one of the things I think why you and I work well together, we're about the same age, sure. but we're a white guy and a black guy who are, oh, like we're open to it. Like, let's learn from each other, That's right. not let's put a barrier up, That's right. which so much of American history has been, let's create a barrier so that people like you and I can't talk. That's right. Or don't want to talk, but we want to dig like. I love hearing stories about your, your youth. I love hearing stories about your perspective that's different. As I was watching the live stream, a lot of leaders talked about the burden they carry. Mm. 
And it, it's kind of like, I know you are genuinely optimistic. Sure. Even, except when it comes to politics. <laughs> I did a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But right. <laughs> genuinely optimistic. Yeah. But that burden, it kind of cuts both ways. And I, I sense that, like, some of the leaders in the room, they're so energized by what they're doing. It's so important. They understand it. But that, it, that burden has to cut, like, a, it's a two-edged sword. Yeah, the double-edged sword, yeah. You know, one of the things when I think about that specific talk track, and there was a lot of commentary on that, because we're still in an environment where, yes, we were together at this conference. But if you think about 600 leaders over the thousands and thousands of corporations, yeah, that's still not a lot of leaders that, that look like us. And so there is that loneliness that's real. There is that environment of not feeling uh, heard or understood. There is that stereotype when we want to push on an issue of the angry black man versus uh, your white counterpart is passionate, assertive. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so those are things that are real that we have to continue to change the narrative and grow from. And, and again, just so proud there's so many folks doing it. Personally, um, when I think about burdens and different things, I, I do. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not, I don't have a cape on. But my dreams and goals are so large that I, I can't allow them to weigh me down. I have to do the work to get strong enough to win while I'm carrying it. Mm -hmm. And and that's something I had to make as a personal choice because no one's no one's coming to save you. Right? Like you got a certain amount of time on this earth and a certain amount of time and energy to work and, and meet your goals. And so I just have decided I can't spend but so much time on the things I can't impact. And and I gotta spend as much energy and focus on those things that I can. And easier said than done some days, but that's what I try to do. Yeah, I was thinking, read the new McKinsey book. You know, they surveyed a couple hundred CEOs. And, you know, so that is, they, they tried to be inclusive. They actively worked to be inclusive. Female CEOs, uh, black CEOs, and, and others, not just all white guys, which most of the Fortune 500 is. They talked a lot about, CEO loneliness. Yeah. And so I wonder, I know that was a theme at the conference as well. I heard uh, Kirk McDonald from Group M talked about CEO loneliness, leadership loneliness. I wondered if that, if that resonated with you because you're not only a CEO, you, you coach mm -hmm. and help other, you know, I always think of it like Tiger Woods needs a putting coach, you know? Right. And a CEO needs a coach. And, and so you have this valuable insight yeah. of talking to the CEO while doing that thing too. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, a shameless sales pitch, right? One of the things that makes me unique in the executive coaching that I do is I'm an active CEO, right? So I'm living some of the same problems that I'm coaching the folks that I work with on. And so a lot of it in terms of my relationship with those that I work with is how do we brainstorm a problem together to come up with the best idea that maybe either one of us didn't have? Wow. Right. Because the key with that executive relationship, that executive coaching or different things, the real superpower to it is the transparency and trust that allows us to speak freely. Mm -hmm. It's not whether or not I'm the most amazing executive coach or partner or board member. It is because we have that relatability in role and stature and pressure and all those things, we can kind of put all the facades aside and say, this is what I'm struggling with. 
Don, how have you handled this? How have you talked to other people and seen this? And so whether it is that coaching part or what we, what I do in diversity, equity, inclusion with business leaders, I have a bird's eye view at some of the struggles that leaders are having. And that loneliness is real because we don't really teach business leaders in MBA school and training and leadership development how to manage that on the day to day. We expect those leaders just to tough it out, persevere, yeah. push through. And it's not true because we're humans. We have families. We have pain. We have challenges, right? And the other thing that I would, would say in terms of that specific point on the loneliness is we're also sometimes a little stubborn and don't ask for help. And one of the things I've been challenged with and I challenge those that I work with is your network is strong. You are very free and easy to ask for somebody that you need a foursome in golf. You're asked somebody for a business tip or a networking favor. We need to be equally as strong and bold when we're struggling with something of finding someone on our network that can help. And that's where a lot of times just that facade of perfection keeps us from getting better as leaders because we're holding on to things that there are a handful of folks that would really be there to help us. And, and I, again, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a hypocrite. I'm still working on that uh, myself. <laughs> One of the things that maybe would surprise our listeners, though you've, you've touched on it in, in other episodes, is that you are an introvert who acts like an, act, an extrovert. Yeah. You're able to put that mask on. So, so here's like, because yeah. I've been in this. So, so I've been at conferences where I walked into a room or a section of a room and every single person in this little group, New York Times bestseller. Mm. And I think to myself, Oh, shit, I, I think I'm pretty smart, but they have the the bona fides to back it up. Yep. So I was like, my heart almost went out to you at part of this because I know that you're an introvert and you're with the best of the best, best of the best, and and so it's an it's an honor to be asked, yep. and it, and that's one of the things. Oh my gosh, Don's getting the recognition he deserves, which I felt. I, I knew you would take it as an honor, but I know also it touches on that, that introvert nerve a little bit. Here's the thing that I do to overcome things that I'm working on. I think about what my responsibility is. So I was honored to be there and humbled, and it was a great experience. But also for my business, also for the learning of the people that I work with, I needed to grow. I needed to find some folks that could share some nuggets with me. So therefore, I actively sought out and met three to four new people in every session I went to because I knew that my responsibility for that networking standpoint. And then the second thing that I know is once I break through the glass and start a conversation, most people are incredibly gracious. I know this, even though I'm still like, you know, I'd rather just kind of hang out and, and wait for my turn to speak. But most leaders that are successful are incredibly gracious and know that they didn't get there without giving and serving and helping others. And so once I kind of break through that and just that, hi, my name is Donald Thompson and, and I'm here, where are you from? I had a lot of really powerful conversations. And the other thing that was one of the key takeaways, one of the things we stressed during the conference is let's not just have a great conference and leave here and not stay connected. Yeah, that's important. Right, we, we talked about as a group, as a collective, Let's have a great conference and figure out how we can be meaningful business connections for each and every one of us. 
Uh, there was a gentleman um, named Kenneth Johnson who runs a company called East Coast Executives. He's an executive recruiter that's focused on black executives, right, and people of color. And he also has a new company called Black Box Technologies, and he's built a leadership development app for people of color. And so not only is he helping place professionals in some of the top corporations of the world, and I, and I enjoyed meeting him, but he's also building technology so he can have scale with the knowledge that he's learning. One of the things that I did is he was going to be the moderator for the panel that I was on. So I went to his session two or three hours before because I wanted to get to know him, his talk track, his rhythm, and also learn. And so I listened, talked, and then went and met him afterwards. And we shared three or four different things we want to do together that can be mutually beneficial in a serious way. But it was taking that time to catch him at a moment where I could steal away four or five minutes because I knew after he was the moderator in our session, there'd be a hundred people trying to get his time. So I had to find a way to get that five minutes. But I was so great to, to meet him and, and we're gonna share some future space together. Yeah, it's that boldness to take that step. And so even for maybe the first time in your life, you're completely surrounded by people that look like you that are successful. As still that, stepping through the door is tough. At that level, for sure. And that was the thing I was, I was sharing with my mom, my experience. And, and, and obviously, you know, my, my mom is a tremendous fan. Like she's super excited about every, I could have told her I went to Bojangles and had a coffee <laughs> with another. She's like, that's amazing. Right. You know what I mean? Cause I, you're, she, she just is, is, has been a, a super supporter, but call out to Don's mom. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but when you think about black enterprise, that's a beacon of inspiration to entire community. It's an institution. And so when I shared that with her, she's like, I, I am going to tell your aunt Elaine. I can't wait to that. Like, it, because, because I can remember and reflect on those very few publications that were for us, that were built by us, and that really could speak the voice of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. That having that, to tap into that community. Yeah. And, and so then with the relationships you made during that time, it almost becomes like a cohort. Mm -hmm. It's not just a bunch of dudes at a thing. Right. Yeah. Cause it was for men. Yep. You know, the thing I would, I can't overstate is the intentionality of beyond the conference and really encouraging all of us to do that. And I've reached out and, and had folks reach out to me all throughout the last handful of days since I've been back from the remaining balance of my PTO and, uh, and different things. And so it's working and, and I look forward to, to being a part of it as long as they'll have me. I, I thought it was a great experience. I, I would be remiss if I didn't, out of curiosity and, and out of um, professional concern, uh, okay. I have to ask, how did that specific audience react to the book when you talked about oh, underestimated? Because it must have resonated with many of the leaders that you were speaking with. So there was two main categories, right? There were folks in the room that were already pretty senior executives. And then there were emerging kind of next gen leaders in their companies that were selected to come and attend. And those next gen leaders were the ones to where I just got a lot of feedback and a lot of questions after the session and where can I get the book and different things like that. Because like the reason that we, we wrote the book and, and put it out there to create that point of inspiration 
that um, certainly there's roadblocks, certainly there's challenges, but we can overcome them. And you don't have to have a perfect background, perfect pedigree to be impactful. And so it was well-received. And, and, and again, I appreciate having the platform and, and being encouraged at the conference, right? They wanted you certainly to give knowledge, feedback, actionable insights. But they also gave space for you to promote a few things that you were doing in an authentic and respectful way. And that was really, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think is interesting, and I think why DEI work is so important and improving the basic infrastructure, education system, things like that. Many of the leaders who I read their bios or listened to them on the live stream, like you had come up through sales with just about the same idea, like either didn't have the right college degree, were being prevented when they tried to take the quote unquote perfect route. Mm -hmm. And so sales, they were like, I can do this. And if I do it well, you're not going to stop me. You, you don't care what I look like if the dollar amount's right. Bob, that's a phenomenal question and super instructive. So I want to stay on this for a minute. Sales is similar to sports scoreboard. So you can have bias against me as a black man, but you got to look at that scoreboard. That scoreboard is clear. If I have a $3 million quota and I sold $5 million, scoreboard, I'm better than you. And you have to do now a lot of work to hold me back because the scoreboard in sales is the dominant requirement for rising in the organization. Once you put points on the board, then people start to look at do you have that leadership potential? Do you understand not just sales, but do you understand marketing and production, right? But the attention that you garner by being a high performer, high producer in the revenue production component of a company, it, you know, of all the things I've done in my career, that technical sales background, doing something hard, difficult, asking large corporations to write big checks to you. Uh, there's a certain amount of business authority and acumen that is required to be successful in that space. And it's a great springboard to leadership in all different parts of an organization. And so I highly recommend people doing that. And back to being an introvert, my goals are bigger than my personality. I can morph to what I need to do. And then I can chill out by myself reading a book or doing whatever later. But sales to me was something to where I could use the, the people skills that I've developed, the competitiveness that I have. And it was a way into the technology space without being a, a data scientist, without being a computer programmer, without all of those things. But I could be a contributor to a technology company. And that was one of the decisions that really catapulted my career. Yeah. And I think it seems to me historically that the, the Gen Xers Black men who are Gen Xers who are able to enter the corporate arena through sales will now build out the infrastructure so that the next generation or two generations, Donald Thompson, can be the data scientist. Whereas I know as well as you do, you tell somebody you want to be a data scientist at undergrad when we went to school, they would have welcomed me. They would have said, um, Mr. Thompson, uh, are you sure about this? Yeah, yeah. Without you ever opening your mouth. Yeah. Because it's unfair. Yeah, yeah. Not a level playing field. And I think, you know, everything that you're saying is, is true. The, as we fast forward to the future, I'm super excited that now 
and we said this a lot at the conference, corporations are looking for us now. Hmm. See, the cool thing about diversity, equity, inclusion is when people are trying to create a more diverse workforce, they're now looking for the high performance men and women of color, people with different backgrounds, uh, folks with disabilities to create in their company true diversity, which, which nets itself into innovation and, and higher growth and all those things. Now's our moment. Right. We can seize on all the craziness in the world. And there's plenty of that. Like you said, in the thing, I got plenty of comments on the political environment, but this isn't for this environment. But there's so much progress that we've made that companies are looking to diversify their talent base. And, and now's a great moment to have our uniqueness be an advantage. 20 years ago, if you were a black professional and you had a name that one would assume is of a black man, you would be coached to use your middle name, right? If you had a degree from a, a historically black university and you were applying for certain jobs, you might leave off the university and just say degree in XYZ to get through the initial filters. Whereas now it is a net positive because people are looking to diversify their workforce. And so now it's a function of you need to find the right company that is willing to create an environment you can succeed in. That's different. Everybody wants diversity now. That's different than being ready to cultivate a culture where a diverse workforce can thrive. And that's the next evolution. And that's what we need to be looking for, growing to, and helping people become. But I, I uh, remain optimistic that there's more people that want to do right than there are people that want to glorify wrong. Definitely. Well, any, uh, you always like to conclude with extra space or extra time, <laughs> anything, anything that we've skipped over, except uh -oh. my damn Grant Hill autograph that is not in my office right now. Yeah, I, I um, uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times. <laughs> so I now have on my list uh, and I'm very goal oriented. <laughs> uh, and so when I, when I don't meet my, my goals, I like to correct it. And so I've got a little work to do, but don't lose faith. Okay. Right. That, that's the only thing I ask of you. Right. Don't lose faith. I've got a couple of contacts that may be able to get to, to Mr. Grant Hill and, and get an autograph for Bob Batchelor. And so I'll, I'll keep working on that. Yeah. And, and Grant Hill, if you are listening, Don is not going to stalk you. And I, <laughs> I am not a stalker. I just love basketball and you're you inspiration. So, <laughs> you know. We're just we're just pro inspiration and inspirational people. Yeah, that's, and that's so right. reading that you were honored at the Black Men XL conference is just awesome. Yeah, it's, so it's super cool. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I think um, the the one comment that I would make as we wrap up talking about the conference, and I have lots of pictures we'll put in the posts and different things, but it's all of our responsibility to be that example for the next generation. And that's just not for me as a, as a black professional. I feel that same way in terms of my goals in elevating women executives in leadership and supporting their goals. Uh, folks that are in the Latinx community, uh, folks that were focused on disability inclusion. And it's fun to diversify, it's business impactful to diversify, and why not do it? Instead of finding the reasons why you don't agree with something, then find the one or two reasons in diversity, equity, inclusion that you do agree focus on that and when we have that kind of thought process conversation it's just way more fun and we create way more impact but thanks for hanging out with me today yeah definitely 
I can tell you, if you want my opinion, <laughs> add two or three or five women to your board of directors and your company is going to become more profitable overnight. <laughs> and, and all the studies show that. Yeah, so yeah. that's the one that always gets me. I am Bob Batchelor. I am the goofy sidekick, but this is my colleague, Donald Thompson. <laughs> we're on the High Octane Leadership Podcast, and we are so happy that you spent some time with us today. Thanks a lot. Thanks.